0: Good morning, I'm Doug Dobing. Welcome to Subject ACT on Tuesday the 22nd of March. Today on Subject ACT we talk about Midnight Oil and their nationally acclaimed exhibition The Making of Midnight Oil, now showing at the Tuggeranong Arts Centre. Midnight Oil have remained one of Australia's most loved music icons. Their music continues to inspire people to get involved with the world and their message brings attention to the big issues from corporate greed and complacency, nuclear disarmament, environmental vandalism and indigenous issues. The making of Midnight Oil Exhibition is an opportunity to relive the 40-year music and cultural story of Midnight Oil with posters, vinyl album covers, written lyrics, original guitars and the infamous Sorry Suits. The Making of Midnight Oil exhibition comes to Canberra following sellout seasons in Manly, Newcastle and Melbourne. The Tuggeranong Arts Centre hosts the exhibition from the 11th of March to the 14th of May. Today we talk with Chairman of the Tuggeranong Community Arts Association, Carl Marf Exhibition Curator Ross Heathcote and Oil Members Jim Magini and Ross Hurst about the exhibition. Chairman of Tuggeranong Community Arts Association, Karl Marth had this to say about the exhibition. Welcome to X. Thanks Doug, it's a pleasure to be here. With the making of the Midnight Oil exhibition, would you like to tell us a little bit about what's happening down here? Oh, look, this is a fantastic
1: ex- exhibition. This is actually by far the largest thing we've ever held in the Tuggeranong Arts Centre and it's a great cultural event. Uh, it certainly combines music, visual arts, performing arts and film into a particularly unique exhibition. But we've added our own special style to it. We've included a range of public programs and workshops which are accessible to everybody in the community. And what's the cost to the exhibition? We're able to offer the exhibition at no cost to the visitor through support from the ACT Government and uh, Arts ACT. So that's fantastic.
0: We are very fortunate in Canberra to be part of the making of the Midnight Oil Exhibition Tour. Uh, this exhibition originally opened in Manly
1: and it's actually toured around. It went through Newcastle, Melbourne and now we're very proud to have it here in Tuggeranong. We're looking at the
0: stage of this exhibition. It just looks fantastic.
1: You're looking at all bunches of items which have been retained by the band by Midnight Oil. This is the exact setup of the stage as they took it around Uh, on one of their world tours. Same equipment, same instruments, same everything.
0: Now, how long is the making of the
1: Midnight Oil exhibition Uh, on until? The exhibition is on until the 14th of May, and we encourage everyone to come down here. As I said, there's also a program of all different sorts of activities which go along with it, so I encourage you to come down and check it out.
0: Is there any place where they can check out more details? Um, Most certainly. I
1: check out the uh, Tuggerong Arts website, www.tuggerongarts.com.
0: Fantastic. Carl, thank you for joining us on Two 2XXFM. Thanks, Doug. I spoke with exhibition curator Ross Heathcote from Manly Museum and Gallery about the design of the exhibition and why it has been so successful.
2: Well, I'm the curator of the exhibition, The Making of Midnight Oil. But in a sense, um, all the way through this process, there's been a co-curator in Rob Hurst from Midnight Oil. It's one of the things that makes this exhibition rather unusual. Mm -hmm. There's been exhibitions about rock bands before, a few. It's a fairly new practice. But ours is a bit different. We've had the support of the band themselves and Rob, being a great collector of things, he calls himself a hoarder, (laughs) approached um, my museum with uh, the idea that we would exhibit something. And I'd just started there, um, so I was handed this role rather wonderfully and met Rob and we started talking through the possibilities and the idea that... We didn't want an ordinary exhibition. This was extraordinary stuff, and we wanted it to have a, a feel and a look that uh, felt like the band, felt like the Midnight Oil experience. And we started um, setting up some ideas about the, the look of it, the aesthetics. And our cue was really the band's road cases, um, which they still had, you know, and that's really unusual. They have a lot of stuff from their career. and uh, Sometimes this stuff gets thrown out or discarded or sold, but in the case of the oils, it was still sitting there. And so we, um, we turned the road cases into showcases. We converted them. And as you walk through the exhibition, you'll see that. And they display lyric sheets and instruments and um, ephemera from the band's career and all sorts of interesting stuff. But we designed... The graphics of the exhibition were triggered by that, the black with the yellow hand and the yellow text and so forth, everything stenciled. Everything in the exhibition has a bit of a road-worn look about it. And it's totally authentic, you know. The instruments have, have had a life and they've been loved to death. Um, and anyone who saw Midnight Oil knows how hard they played and how tough and raw that whole experience was. It's like the
0: their um, the song "Power and the Passion" really does encapsulate a lot about their personality, but also about this art and exhibition.
2: Well, yes, it does. I mean, the, the Minotaur, the men of Midnight Oil are just fabulous people. They're just wonderful. They're intelligent, um, eloquent, and um, they are great, great people to be with. It's an honour to be around them, but. Um, the, the, the image, as soon as they got on stage, they, they were just so powerful, such an incredible unit.
0: What makes this exhibition so successful?
2: Look, it's all about um, a, a passion and a love for Midnight Oil, the band, of course. You know, they have this huge following out there, and so a lot of our core audience are Oil's Tragics, perhaps, you'd say. Um, but so many of us love and respect what this band did, their, their great achievements. But beyond that, it's attracting the interest of a, a much broader group of visitors because the exhibition delves into a, a kind of a broader social history, a recent social history of, of uh, the way we kind of lived culturally. In you know, the late 70s, the 1980s, 1990s in, in cities like Canberra, Brisbane Sydney Melbourne. there was a great rock and roll gig with a great world-class band every night of the week in some pub or club venue. and it's something that's kind of disappeared in most most places. So our exibi- exhibition celebrates I midnight mean Oil of course, but it also celebrates what we were up to and the way we were functioning. and you'll see that through gig posters and handbills and tickets. Um, And just to be a bit of a curator for a second, those gig posters tell great stories about lost venues, about cheap ticket prices, and you'll see that it's Midnight Oil, with Angels, with ACDC, with My Sex, Mondo Rock, Sports, all these great bands playing in unusual places that are long gone.
0: Why have you brought this exhibition to Canberra?
2: Well, Canberra is really important uh, to Midnight Oil. Um, they always had a strong following down here, and even in the early days they'd, they'd come down here. Rob Hurst told a great story last night at the launch about how they'd jump into the hired Commodores and drive down here with Peter Garrett at the wheel. And, uh, <laughs> and the curious gigs at the ANU Bar and elsewhere. At finishing late at night, there's only one place open where they could get a feed, the drive back to be in bed back in Sydney by 4.30 a.m. And as he said at the end, those were the days, you know. But um, they had a real affection for Canberra. So there's a big following here, and we expect, we know that um, those people will be turning up. But also, when I started working on the exhibition, we looked at the collections that Rob had, some things that Jim had, other members of the band, Martin Rotzi, um, Peter Garrett, Peter Gifford, but uh, there were some really important objects and items in official archives, particularly here in Canberra at the National Film and Sound Archive, which is a great place. And in there uh, were the sorry suits worn by Midnight Oil at the closing ceremony of the Sydney Olympics in 2000. Possibly the most culturally significant stage costumes ever worn in Australia. You know, that's that's up for debate, but I'd like to put it out there. That to the, the biggest TV audience you can have across the globe, to 100,000 people live, the band snuck on in suits. They had overalls on over the top and they peeled them off at the last minute because they knew it would be controversial. They walked on stage saying sorry. And uh, this was such a big and significant thing to happen, and it was so Midnight Oil to do something like that to surprise us all.
0: Ross, what do we see on stage?
2: The stage is totally authentic. It's even the stage itself um, is an 80s pub stage put back together. On top of it are real Midnight Oil instruments from the mid 19 to late 1980s. Um, Rob's drum kit, Peter Gifford's hacked, burnt, scarred precision bass Peter's one piece microphone stand that's about three foot taller than me and uh, everything on that stage including the stage props the the dingo and the kangaroo which form a kind of a coat of arms around a beaten up old water tank that they found in the desert um, on their desert tour became a, a percussion instrument for Rob. That is all real and so that is one giant exposed museum object and it's a cracker.
0: Ross, it's been great talking to you about the exhibition and all the best for the rest of the tour.
2: It's been a pleasure, thank you very
0: much. Oil songwriter, guitarist, keyboard and vocals, Jim Magini sat with me at the Tuggeranong Arts Centre and talked about the exhibition and shared memories of the band. Here we have with us Jim Maggini, guitar, keyboards, vocals in the Midnight Oil Band and he is still alive and active and well. Welcome to, to Welcome,
3: Jim. Yeah, thank you very much, Dave. Hello, everybody.
0: Now, Jim, could you let us know, how, what brings you back to Canberra?
3: Well, I've, uh, apart from the fact I've got lots of family down here, and I love Canberra, I don't know, it's just always been a great place, I've always had a good time here, you know. It's got a bad reputation, I don't know what's what's wrong with people, I love it. Um, but uh, <laughs> but um, it's the exhibition, really, that's uh, happening down here at the moment, at the talking art centre that Rob uh, person from the band and Ross Heathcote just put together from Manly Art Gallery, and, uh, which is a bit of a potted history, like a snapshot of the band's history. Somehow they've kind of encapsulated the feel of the band, like with, basically there's a lot of old posters and road cases and guitars and films and multimedia stuff, but it kind of, in this strange kind of way, it kind of works. Like, you know, I was a little bit wary of it at first thinking, how can you get a museum exhibition that actually can encapsulate a band that's just such an auditory and visual, visual experience, and somehow they've kind of done it. I don't know how they did it. Now, you Jim, to come to, You have to come down and figure it out. They didn't tell me. I really don't know. what. It's a bit of mojo going on with it, I think.
0: Jim, what will we see in the exhibition?
3: You walk through various rooms, and there's posters, and there's um, handwritten lyrics, there's some of the guitars, some of the really crusty old guitar pedals we used to use, and, and actually I still do. Um, Rob's old drum kit, um, there's a whole stage set up with all the taxi doing it, animals, the uh, roadkill kind of dingo, kangaroo that used to take around the states on the Diesel dust Dust tour. Uh, that's, that stage That's pretty much the Diesel and Dust stage that, uh, that's down there now. And um, yeah, just, you just walk through rooms and, and maybe if you were at some of the gigs you'll see on the, there's a big list of gigs, uh, which is about a thousand to four, four or five thousand gigs or something which I personally stand in front of and kind of turn to water when I think about how much time it took out of my life. But um, I'm very proud of it, you know, and I, I you know, it's, um, it's it's a way of kind of having the band when the band isn't really around anymore, so, you know, it's a way of, of kind of reliving it, and because a lot of people felt possessive of the oils, they felt like they owned just a little really bit, and it's a funny, I don't know what it was about the band, but that was the thing that kind of, People were very passionate about what we were doing and, ta- and, and talking about as well in terms of the subject matter. You know, and, and the sound of the music, the fact that it was raucous and, or loud or sensitive or whatever moments we went through in the pubs and concert halls. But, yeah, you can come here and relive that a bit. And um, and a lot, of, a lot of our old fans, you know, bring their kids along and stuff. It's a bit of a family thing, really, in a way.
0: Thank you for listening to Subject ACT. I'm Doug Dobing on Two FM People Powered Radio. Keep listening as Midnight Oil's songwriter, guitarist, keyboards and vocals Jim Mugini talks more about some of the big issues that the band brought attention to.
3: Well, I, I mean I think at at in the general sense I think the band had an audience when we realized we had an audience then we started to exchange ideas with them. It wasn't so much we were preaching about, you know, what we were preoccupied with at that moment. It was like we had an audience and we felt it was more it was more interesting to sort of discuss things with people. Maybe we turned people on to some things that they didn't know about. For example, you know, the Indigenous battle. I mean, in those days, this was pre um, uh, the Bicentennial, pre the Sorry Walk, pre, you know, the, the business with Kevin Rudd saying sorry, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Pre Yothi Indi even, like pre that, which had changed the whole perhaps we were sort of, not instrumental, but we were part of that discussion of opening up that subject to people who hadn't really, people hadn't really been thinking about it at all the Aboriginal issue had been buried, you know, for whatever reasons So maybe the guilt or you know the cover up or whatever that really happened when when the white man came here. Mm-hmm. But I, but you know it just got that it opened up that discussion and, it, and enabled people to get involved in it and and we, we did that all the whole way through and it was environment at one stage where we did the Exxon gig and we sat set up in front of the Exxon building and and played you know at lunchtime in New York City and, and that was protesting the. Uh, the Exxon oil spill up in Alaska where they, you know, the guy was drunk and, and the, the, the boat wasn't double holed and it just hit this rock and then there was a huge environmental spill and they weren't really, they were just trying to get out of the responsibility of cleaning up and um, so the fact we just got up and said something as a band, I think music can really be the Trojan horse for the message mm. you know, if you've got something to say Music's a really good way to do it, you know. And I think a lot of bands now don't take up that gauntlet. It doesn't piss me off at all. I mean, it's like, I'm a sucker for a good tune or a good love song as much as anybody. I love all that stuff. But with us, kind of the kind of fairly irascible, lefty kind of people that we were and still are probably, um, it it just felt more real to talk about what was really happening in the world and, and put that into song. But in a way that kind of... You know, if, say if we'd done, you know, I'm just trying to think of one of our songs. Um, uh, God, you know, something like uh, "Beds Are Burning" or something, and we just done a really dreary kind of like minor key, folky version of it. It probably wouldn't have been as good because it just it would have just bummed people out. But the fact that it had a really good beat and it wasn't happy, happy music, but it was powerful in its own way. And then we could put that lyrical content over the top of that, and somehow the two. Uh, the third thing was created out of that which was, you know, the whole sound of the band I suppose, but yeah, it was it was all about that discussion we had with our audience really, and, and so anything we whether it was even surfing, because we did a lot of songs about surfing um, or the rise of Pauline Hanson, you know we there were certain things we did bang on about a bit, and everyone sort of says we're up on our side but really I just don't think we wanted to write love songs, we wanted to write things that were important to us as, mm-hmm. as Australians really, and very sort of proud of the place and you know wanted to sort of bring that into, into the fore and you know, it was always that thing of taking the forelock to America and bands going over there trying to make it turning into Americans or turning into English people in order to be accepted and it never really worked you know the, the best bands whether it's the Easy Beats or you know Akadaka, you know they just stuck to their guns and they didn't change their tune they were just who they were they weren't trying to ingratiate themselves to anybody they were just they just stood for something and, and uh I think we're probably. You know, I like to think maybe that's where we were part of that group. You know, I, I like to think we were.
0: That was part of the band. They helped voice what people were thinking and to be and encourage people to become part of the change. I think that's what excited me as a as a listener. Uh, are there still some issues that you would like to challenge, say, in your music? <laughs>
3: uh, well, um, I, you know, the irony with all this stuff is like a song like "Short Memory." You know, which was done in 1982. You know, now it's t- 2016. It's like the same things are still happening mm-hmm. um, everywhere. It's the same, you know, because it's human beings with other human beings. So you get this cushion It's always the same. It's always the same problems keep coming up and You can still keep saying the same mm-hmm. song. It's, it's the same thing with Aboriginal affairs. I mean, things have moved along, but there's still a basic lack of acknowledgement of, of what really happened here, and there's still the cover-up and what really happened. And I, I I just think that. That should be in our history books, and I mean, I'm really gratified sometimes when people say, "Hey, you know, we studied your song in, in history," or some Silky <laughs> comes up. You know, they've got the lyrics to U.S. Forces or, or Beds Are Burning, and Jed Harding and um, you know, and, and I mean Rob Purse as well, who's been a big part of this exhibition. I mean, he's such a good lyricist, and you know, the standard was pretty high in the band. Like, you couldn't bring a crappy song in. You know, you'd have to really put your socks up if the band's going to do it and really write something great. You know. And, um, to have it played. I, yeah, look, look I, I think we just, in terms of now, what the subject matters are, I mean, it's all, it, it, it's, it's sort of, it, really, now it's all about globalization and the fact we're all interconnected. And, and, and maybe the whole thing with terrorism and the fact that, you know, people are just doing the most heinous stuff. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's almost overpowering and, and people can get very discouraged, you know, but I mean, you know, I have to say this, that when Peter, we're talking about this, this discussion that we have here for audience, when Peter, the next logical step for, for Peter was, was to go into politics yes, after yeah. being in this, you know, and, and, and that's a bear pit, you know, and he went into it. And, uh, I, I, I'm really proud of him. I mean, maybe he didn't achieve what, you know, everybody thought he might achieve, but he did some really good things and yes. it's all there on the record. And, you know, you, you go and try and do it. You want to go in there and do that? Well, go, have a go and see how you go with it. <laughs> I don't think there's any of them that come out of it unscathed, you know.
0: I think Midnight Oil was a band that was authentic, though true to themselves and spoke out, had the freedom to do that. Yeah. Now, I'm just curious, would there ever be a chance where the, where the oils get together for another for another at least a gig or a tour?
3: Oh, look, I reckon, like, we've done a couple since we split up, we did a bushfire benefit in and, and 2009 in Melbourne and we did uh, the tsunami benefit in 2005, but um, the Indonesian thing, uh, the Sri Lankan thing, um, yeah, look, we'll get together if it's a good cause, you know, I don't think it'll ever be for the money, <laughs> we'll just, if there's something to say or there's something to help out, we'll do that, you know, like, we don't have to, you know, it's like, I don't know about the tour and the waistcoats and the OSL clubs, I don't know about all that stuff. <laughs> I couldn't have picture you doing that.
0: But briefly, um, when you toured with the Indigenous band, that was quite new and controversial. What were some of the things that you learned personally um, from that tour, touring with an Indigenous band?
3: Well, I mean, that was like, my life is uh, in two halves, really, the, the bit before that and the bit after that, you know, that was the defining Moment, just sort of find a country within a country, and that was Warrumpy Band, and I still love those guys. In fact, Sammy, from Warrumpy's I named my son after him, and Neil Murray that I still work with. He's the white fella that wrote a lot of the songs. We still work together a lot, and I loved that. I just love what they were on about. It was all about the inclusiveness, but they weren't preaching it. You could just see by looking at them that's what they were talking about. All these white fellas, black fellas, off on the stage, rocking out, and getting the audience really fired up, and. Um, it, it it was yeah it was profoundly um, spiritual experience going out to the desert and hanging out with those people and and under and, and just realizing that the humor, the art, it was also positive. But all the stereotypes that we've been fed as growing up were like the paddy wagons, the alcohol. You know, there's none of that. It's just it was a beautiful kind of experience of kind of meeting those people, hanging out, and, and that that people were so productive and none of this sort of media stuff that people are fed. You know. mm. It was it, it was sort of and then the Diesel and Dust album that we did after that was our attempt to sort of decipher that experience, which has sort of stirred so many things up in everybody. Um, and that was the irony about that, was that, you know, who would have thought that that would have been the album that would be the most successful album.
0: Now, Jim, you have a Colour wheel performance. Or could you tell us a bit about that, please?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the Colour wheel. I, I, I love uh, the electric guitars, probably people know it. Um, and I've got an orchestra with six electric guitars in it and I've written the music as part of the Campbelltown Arts Centre obviously the Artist in Residence in 2014 and it's just basically a gig where I've written the music it's very dreamy in parts, it's, it's visceral in other parts and we have painters painting at the same time it sounds like hippie waffle, doesn't it yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then lighting that goes with it but the idea is to induce synesthesia in people so you can have that thing experience of sound and colour at the same time and um, people are kind of, it can be some people just don't get it, other people love it, like this. you know, I really cried when you did the green bit, you know, or the or the red just made me really pissed off, or, you know, I felt like I was underwater, or if it's in this one, you know, it's very um, uh, unusual in Australia to do it, like, you know, but in New York, there's quite a lot of guitar orchestras, Glenn Branker and Steve Reif's done stuff, um, there's, you know, Rich Chatham, fantastic guitar orchestra guy. So... You know, I'm sort of going down that track with it and mm. it's a great excuse for me to sort of be full-blooded about writing music again and uh, getting back into that. I've done a lot of record production in the last few years, but I'm sort of cutting back on that and just getting back more into writing again. And, um, this has been a really great vehicle to do. it. So we're playing in Canberra on the 31st at the Art Arts Centre. So that'll be, yeah, come along, it'll be another shared experience.
0: Well, is there anything else you'd like to say to Canberra before we wrap up this morning?
3: Oh, Canberra. <laughs> uh, keep on rocking in the free world. <laughs> Jim, thank you very much
0: While standing next to the stage at the Tuggeranong Arts Centre I briefly spoke with Midnight Oil's drummer, songwriter and vocalist Rob Hurst Rob talked about the creative process of writing songs for the Oils and his ongoing passion for music. Welcome back to Canberra, fantastic. Yeah, well, almost our second home. I noticed some of the the stories here, they call you a drummer and a musician. <laughs> That's quite an accolade. <laughs> That's unusual, I know, yeah. As a drummer, you. I understand you wrote a lot of the songs or co-wrote a lot of the songs for Midnight Oil. Yeah, with Jim. Yeah, we, we spent a lot
4: of time, um, you know, sweating over hot lyric sheets and yeah. working out chords and... It was always joyful, though it was really, it was really um, happy, creative process, and um, and Jim has such a great bedside manner as well. He could he could tell me when my ideas were shit. And <laughs> <laughs> how, 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 how did the how did you work your ideas for your music? Well, what normally would happen, he, uh, either Jim would demo a song of his and then bring it to the band, semi-complete, or we'd work together and work up a song. Me from a lyrical and melodic point of view and, and Jim from you know from a chordal and, and an arrangement. We'd put the two things together and then we'd present it to the band and then the band would turn them into a Midnight all song, with Martin helping out with arrangements and Pete adding and subtracting some lyrics, you know,
0: at times. You as a musician, for the past 30 years, you've sung and written songs. What are some of the current things that you're involved with? Okay, so I'm
4: still playing all the time, most weekends, different bands. I play in a blues band called Backsliders, and we play most of the festivals around the country and our own shows. That's a three-piece blues band. I also play in The Break with Jim and Martin from Midnight Oil. Jack Howard from Hunters and Collectors, and Brian Ritchie, bass player for The Violent Femmes, and that's an instrumental band. It's like surf, sci-fi, spaghetti western <laughs> <laughs> instrumental band.
0: Now, do you have any tours coming up? I'm playing
4: with Backsliders on the 1st of April, right here at the Tugger- Tuggeranong Arts Centre, in this very theatre. And I think uh, Jim's Electric Guitar Orchestra is the day before the 31st of March.
0: Now, with this exhibition, I understand there's a, a piece de resistance uh would you like to talk to us about that?
4: Uh, you might be referring to the to the Royal Antler Room, the, the sticky sticky carpet, ca- sticky carpet. Yeah. So we had this idea, you know, because when you go through the mineral exhibition. Uh, the display cases are actually old, midnight all road cases. So we thought we'd build the biggest road case of all, one you can actually walk into. And we got we got carpet of that era, the late 70s and early 80s, which was that carpet that absorbed all manner That's of right. beer and <laughs> vomit and whatever, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's blood and you know, <laughs> and uh, cigarettes in those days, of course, everyone smoked. Yeah. So my idea was to you walk in and pull the curtain behind you, and you'd be sticking to the carpet, and you put the headphones on which are at paint-stripping volume. And you see this footage, it's one, some of the earliest footage of Midnight Oil actually recorded at the Tantalorn Festival in 1981. And that that's all around you with the crowd. And then see, so, so for those that weren't back there in, at the time, it recreates what it would have been like at the ANU bar when the oils came to town. There's actually elbows sticking up for the inside of the box as well, <laughs> which rec- recreates what, what you would have been elbowed on the side <laughs> either side. So. I wanted to pump, you know, superheated tobacco smoke into it as well, but they won't let me do that. But that would that would have completed the picture.
0: Now, is that part of this tour?
4: Yeah, that's right. So that's here at, at Tuggeranong for the two months of, you know, that the Oils Exhibition will be here.
0: Is there something that you would like to say to the Canberra audience? Look, we had we had
4: some of our best shows at the A New Bar and uh, wild shows. You know, like literally eighteen hundred people crammed in there, played with a whole lot of other great bands of the time: the Angels, the Sports, the Saints. Yeah, great doubles we did here, and um, and we had an incredibly loyal, passionate Canberra audience. We loved coming down to play because we knew the gigs would be quite cathartic, and the audience has stayed with us for all that time. You know, so. Some of the folks from those early days, late 70s, might be very interested in, in coming down because there's a, a wall of gigs uh, that we played over the years and the Canberra shows are there and they can, they can see which ones they attended.
0: Rob, thank you very much for joining us on 2XXFM.
4: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: You were listening to the Making of Midnight Oils exhibition curator Ross Heathcote and Oils members Jim Mogini and Rob Hurst. Making the Midnight Oil exhibition will be at the Tuggeranong Arts Centre until the 14th of May. And for more information about the exhibition and other Midnight Oils events, go to www.tuggeranongarts.com. Join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 on Subject ACT with Lucy, Patrick, and Jeff for more local current affairs and news. Coming up next on 2XX at 9 o'clock is Radio Landcare. Thank you for listening. I'm Doug Dobing on Subject ACT.